I believe that veterans are the key to unlocking America's next golden age. By empowering and influencing one million veterans to transition well and become leaders in their communities, we can unlock our country's destiny and continue to change the world. My name is Bernard Bergen. Michelle Hawkins is an avid reader who still finds that real books are more than just an escape into new worlds, but a place of learning, growing, and becoming. To follow Michelle on Instagram is a journey into the mind of a thought leader who talks about her journey to natural hair and the books that journeyed with her. Michelle also offers her thoughts on the 2017 change in the Army regulation allowing women of color to enjoy who they really are and fully participate in the natural hair journey. You won't want to miss Michelle's insight, book recommendations, and positive outlook. Let's get started. You know, you are a natural hair enthusiast, and I think we've all benefited from the movement. And Mm -hmm. my wife went through the uh, transformation a a few years back, so very familiar with the husband's perspective as the transformation is happening. But you take it even more foundational And my question then is, besides avoiding the harmful chemicals, what other immediate takeaways to natural hair do you always advocate as one of the deeper benefits? One of the benefits for me was just learning to accept and embrace myself. And, you know, for women, our hair is like one of the, I guess, standard of beauty. Yeah. Um, Compare ourselves to others. Does my hair do what her hair does? And I've been natural since 2000. I had my last chemical. Wow. (laughs) <laughs> so, and I hate to even say this cliche term, but I was natural before it was popular. I know some people <laughs> the natural say that, but it's the truth. I went natural in 2000. I was a junior in college. Um, I actually had a friend, a guy that I was dating, and I met a girlfriend through him that she kind of convinced me to do it. And I, I started thinking about it. I was like, man, one day I went to my beautician. I said, okay, I'm done. I need you to cut it off. She said, are you sure? I said, yes, ma'am, I'm sure. Are you sure? I said, yes, I'm sure. And I haven't looked back since. Mm-hmm. And I have to fell in love with my hair when I did it. I have not thought about relaxing my hair in 18 years, seriously. It's like, because all that just made me feel proud to be a black woman and to actually embrace my hair group. Because, you know, we had to deal with the ideals of what is beautiful, straight, long, flowy hair. Right. Um, and, you know, the things we have done uh, traditionally to get our hair that way. That's not trying to be ugly to those that continue to do so. But for me, it was just very liberating. I guess it was a starting point of me learning to accept and appreciate my own beauty and that I would define it myself. Yeah. And when I first went natural, like, I didn't really know what to do with my hair, but I, you know, I just kind of figured it out. And I will say I did catch a lot of <laughs> flack and negativity, especially within my family. You yeah. would yeah. surprise people on the outside. They're like, yeah. oh, that's bad. You look so cute. Oh, you know, all the compliments, but my family just, oh my God, that's ugly. And, you know, right. the- I was going to ask you that. What was one of the hardest conversations you've had to have without detail, you know, about that decision? Because- What's shocking is, again, I watched the transformation with my wife. I'm like, y'all don't pay to get her hair done. <laughs> like, why are you so opinionated about her choice? You know, right. it, it is such a, a stigma. And then, like you said, now it's more acceptable and accepted, especially even in business and in the, yeah. the marketplace. But before, like you said, 2000? Ooh. Yeah. 
It's funny because I can't remember like necessarily one particular conversation, but I actually started um, after my first year, I wanted to do something different with my hair. So I started dreadlocks coming to the end of my college career. People tell me, well, you won't be able to get a good job, quote unquote, good job with your hair like that. Oh, I don't like dreadlocks. I think they're ugly and you don't have versatility and styling. You know, any negative comment you can think about right. dreadlocks, the stereotypes that go with them. I heard them. And I just chose not to believe that. I'm like, it's hair. You know, it's my hair. You know, you can't just go around telling people, oh, you can't wear your hair like that. So I knew that, you know, that wouldn't work. It's like, you can't tell somebody they can't wear their hair a certain way to work. Yeah. The hair has never been an issue for me. I've never been taught to. And, you know, I, I love that you're saying that and sharing that because that is one of the big myths in terms of, making that change. And before I ask you, you know, maybe some tips for women looking to start, I wanted to, you know, and I think we exchanged emails on this, you know, in the army, like this was huge. This was huge Mm -hmm. for women of color. This was huge for women from our community because the army had strict regulations about hair. So when women would have braids, even though they would be within what we consider the regulations, the fact that they had twists or locks like the army is like a measurement and note keeping machine. So they would say one eighth inch, like in detail. Mm-hmm. So of course it presented a lot of challenges for sisters, for women from our community to showcase their natural beauty and to, you know, maintain the regulation so they can continue to serve their country. But recently, and I'm not saying this useful or not, but I'm pretty sure the listeners would make their own conclusions. But in 2017, January 5th, they changed the regulations allowing styles that naturally occur in our community. Any thoughts on, because you just talked about, you know, the marketplace has accepted that. They've accepted you, your style, your beauty. Why do you think some cultures like the army was such so slow to make that a part of their culture? You know, I think it probably goes back to the stereotypes that kind of go along with for instance, wearing dreadlocks. Because, you know, there are those who um, aspire to Rastafarian type belief and they, you know, really don't groom them and right. do free form. And I would say that maybe not wanting to deal with that to some degree yeah. is why it took them so long. But I think now versus 15 years ago, you have more proof that you can wear your hair this way and it still look nice and neat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. I think that maybe has helped, you know, them to decide that. And I really think that, you know, the world is changing. And a lot of companies, I believe, realize that, you know, especially with having um, the millennials increasing in, in their number in the workforce. So I believe that, you know, as they continue to voice their opinions and concerns and keep pushing that envelope, I believe that's why maybe the military and other companies will end up following suit because who else are you going to get to, you know, join yeah. the ranks and serve? You know, if it's so restricted, and I understand there are certain regulations you have to meet and you have to be right. eaten in order right. to look right. decent. Enough. But to tell somebody that the way their hair naturally grows doesn't work and you can't wear it like that, uh, it's almost like you're kind of dissing who they are, um, so yeah. to speak. Yeah. I believe just having that evidence of proof, I think that... Yeah. And especially based on reading this article, I would say that had something to do with, you know, why they are allowing the styles now. Right. And you, you know, it's interesting. 
the military is rarely diverse, you know, like, because again, if you qualify and you, you hit the basic regulations and you do the training and you pass what you need to pass, mm -hmm. um, you serve, but in the service, we at times forget to look at the rules that's already in the books and what the culture yeah. was like when they were written, you know, yeah. because yep. our country has been through a ton of change. And if mm -hmm. you don't look back to say, Hey guys, you know, that would cause these problems today. You know, mm -hmm. we never make the adjustment. I love what you said about the proof. The proof is out there. The proof that the natural beauty, the natural look, the commitment to professionalism is still there, even within these amazing styles that usually was on the outskirts of our cultural norms of what beauty and professionalism was. Right. I agree 100%. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one of the things that fully attracted me to your Instagram, your presence, and, and what you share was I noticed that a lot of the books in your library are in my library. And, you know, some of the ones that immediately resonated with me was The Magic of Thinking Big. And this one caught me by surprise because, you know, I thought it was just me. But the My Secret Superpower book, uh, Trey's Jungle oh. Adventure, you know, I bought <laughs> A couple for my nieces and nephews and kept one for myself. So, you know, I, I just uh, really enjoyed it. And then these books, I think these books are phenomenal books that many people overlook for their personal libraries. The Other Westmore and The Work by Westmore. Those books had a huge impact on my life and my work today in just the framework of what it means to achieve currently as a Black man in, in America. But mm -hmm. lastly, you know, the compound effect also was, was a strong read and, and just an incredible mindset of how you can continue, you know, to build and build effectively over time. Again, you're very widely read, but are there any favorites, things or books that you have no problem revisiting and reading over and over and over? Oh, there's actually one, I'm not sure if I put it on my Instagram or not, that I read back in 2015. It's actually called The Search for Significance by mm. Robert McGee. He's passed away now. And I would say it was the catalyst for me doing some deeper personal change and mindset shifts. It's from a faith perspective, and he used his work to kind of help people who were dealing with like addiction and just having um, formal life issues and struggling with how they saw themselves. So it really just takes a deeper look um, from the Christian perspective, a deeper look at like salvation and what it actually does for you, mm -hmm. um, what it gives you. It was a game changer for me. And partly it was because not just the subject matter, but it had an accompanying workbook in the back of the book. And mm -hmm. I typically working through workbooks because I'm like, I just want to read the book and move on. But something told me, no, you need to work through that. And working through the particular exercises after each chapter is really, it was very therapeutic for me. And it kind of got me into a deeper dive when it comes to personal development books. Yeah, I love um, that. Yeah. 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 And I, I think you just gave people not just, you know, a new book to add, but also the significance of the book from a faith perspective and also working through things. I think, you know, people who are truly readers, and I'm calling you guys out, you audiobook people like myself today. You know, like, like we miss that there is a process that stories and amazing authors and books help you heal and transform. Yes, yes. And I think sometimes 
we can go into overconsumption mode and we're not finding those favorites and, and working through and healing. And I love the word you use that it was therapeutic for you. So, so I'm definitely going to, uh, you know, be adding that to my 2018 reading list. And I want to ask you this, what cultivated your love for reading? Have you just always loved reading and what started you down that journey? You know, for as long as I can remember, I've always loved reading. My earliest memory of my love of reading probably goes back to about fifth grade. Because, you know, by then you can, you know, really read very well and you can read at a certain level. So I can Mm -hmm. remember spending lots of time at my school library. One of my first book series that I remember reading is Nancy Drew. (laughs) All those books when I was in um, middle and elementary school, late elementary. And at that time, I would say it was just kind of a way for me to escape. Because my nature is an introvert. I get a lot of energy from being with, from going within and processing and being with myself. And at times, you know, reading fiction and stuff gave me a way to kind of escape and delve into a new, different world. Yeah. Um, and I didn't have a lot of friends. I had a few close friends. Books were just very comforting to me. And as I got older, even like in high school, I spent a lot of my summers at the public library. I'd have my mom or dad take me and drop me off. And then when I was able to drive, I would do the same for myself. So it moved into a love of uh, learning and knowing um, information and understanding how things work. Just a curiosity um, Mm -hmm. about things. Bulk of my life, I spent more time in fiction books. Mm -hmm. um, But as I kind of transitioned into nonfiction, and it's just always been there. I don't know. I, and even now, you know, there are Kindles and stuff that you can read books on. I will not do that. I have to have a <laughs> When I was in high school, I'm going to step back a little bit. There was a consignment store, a book consignment store in my hometown. So where you could go and trade and sell your books. And I would do that. I had an account there. They knew me by name. <laughs> when I came. So, yeah, it's always been a love there. Always. So not just a book purist, a book connoisseur. <laughs> yes. Yes, for sure. <laughs> Oh, wow. my, uh, lots of my coworkers, they think I'm crazy. They, <laughs> well, I'm, well, I'm actually your, your tribe because I saw the books and I was like, man, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying it. And do you think, I guess, with the technology, maybe we're stealing something from uh, new readers and just the enjoyment of what a good book and a series and just the relationship to curiosity and learning through the written word brings? I think so, because I feel like if you can't touch it and connecting with it, if you can't touch it and see it and in its tangible form, because so much effort goes into actually putting the entire book together. I mean, I know there's effort from the author's perspective too, when it comes to actually writing it, even if it's in electronic format, but it's just something about that effort of actually holding a finished product in your hand that somebody else their time into to get to you. I really just think it's just that connection and having that relationship with the book itself and with the uh, words on the page and the message it's trying to give to you. So yeah, I think we lose that. I know technology has its place and it makes things convenient in life, but I really think we lose um, that connection with the information when we don't have that physical book. Right. Um, and that's my personal opinion. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think the electronic stuff has its place to kind of introduce you or to give you the convenience that you need, like when you can't really get to your stuff or if you're traveling and don't want to take a lot of books. But I believe that if you have the time and you're just at home and you're a book lover, that you should get a good book and cuddle up with it. 
<laughs> I love that. I love that because that is definitely me on many of the rainy Seattle days. Now, have you met any of your favorite authors? And if yes, what was that like? I haven't met any of my favorite authors. Oh, wow, wow, wow. Any desire to meet, you know, a favorite author or just, you know, maybe talk about a chapter you loved or a, a line or something that resonated? Oh, wow. That's a good question. I hadn't even thought about it. You know, I wouldn't mind meeting John Maxwell when it comes to the personal development space and leadership. I've read all of his stuff. I've read about three or four of his. And another person that I wouldn't mind meeting, and I've read two of his books, is Dr. Dennis Kimbrough. Mm-hmm. He teaches at Clark Atlanta. The Wealth Choice, and I can't remember the other book, the name of the other book, Think and Grow Rich, A Black Choice. Yep, 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 yep. yep. Reading those just, um, I guess seeing it from a black perspective and seeing that, oh man, we can do this too, because I didn't grow up with a lot of examples of that in my life. So reading his stuff, I guess gave me hope and, or gave me, I won't necessarily say hope, it just gave me something to look forward to. It's always nice to see somebody that looks like you or come from a similar background, hear those stories from people. And, yeah. and, and even if it's not necessarily having a conversation with them to be in the room and listen to them talk, because I'm a, I love listening um, and gaining wisdom and information from other people willing to just be a, a sponge um, in the room. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. You touched on John Maxwell and uh, Dr. Mm-hmm. Dennis Kimbrough. And I mean, talking about thought leaders, you know, like, man, <laughs> that's as deep as it gets. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't intend to go deep. Those were the first two that came to my mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you have any goals on like how many books you read a year or do you just go deep with what you're reading and truly allow yourself to be curious, learn, digest, and then apply it to your life? I've transitioned more into just going deep. I like to try to do um, one book a month, but I actually looked at, I actually keep a log of what I read and I actually look back at the last two years and I've actually read about 20 books a year, the last two years. I really do kind of like going deep. I don't like to say, oh, I need to read this much time a day or this many a year. I've gotten away from that. I've tried to do that, but I was like, ah, it doesn't work for me because I feel like um, I need to kind of sit with the information more and think about how I can apply it to my life. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And I'm going to use that to segue into this. Like if you were having a conversation with the 18 year old Michelle, I know she'd be an avid reader, but what else would you say to the younger version of yourself about life or maybe about personal development? Um, I would tell the younger version of me to accept yourself fully and just pursue God's best for your life based on the dreams and visions he's given you. Um, I can't say that when I was 18 that I necessarily, I don't regret like my decision to go to college and the path that I chose and stuff because I felt like, oh yeah, I have to do that because that was kind of like my door to something better and greater. I'm very grateful for being able to go to college. But I think by the time I got out, I was just, I felt deep within there was something else I should be doing, but I didn't spend enough time sitting with that. Mm. And I kind of rushed in and just did what you know, what people say you're supposed to do when you graduate from college, get a good job, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Um, I would tell myself at 18 to just think about that as you progress through your path and kind of listen to those um, nudges that you get to always pursue the best for your life um, and be willing to take that risk on yourself because nobody else will if you don't. Man, I got goosebumps with that advice, you know, just invest in yourself, you know, take a risk. And, and, and you said something powerful because I think it's not encouraged. You said go deep. 
And I don't think we're, mm-hmm. we're telling maybe the 18 year olds in our life, like, why are you rushing? You know, like, like, you know, you can make it to 50, right? Like give yourself a decade of mm-hmm. each season, you know, like you're speeding yeah. through school and, and speeding mm-hmm. through your career and trying to have mm-hmm. everything on your bucket list checked off by 25. And I'm like, guys, you know, like, why the rush? You know, and, and it's always interesting right. that we're not hearing enough voices like your own reminding us to, guys, go deep. Ask yourself, yeah. what really resonated with you? Because, and here's the truth, I love how bold you were to make the decision to pursue natural hair and, and start the movement, because in 2000, you were at the start of that movement. Yeah. And that had to take a level of going deep, but on the same note, you saw that you could have went deep overall in more areas just to truly hear your heartbeat and then move to that rhythm as well. Right. And I believe that's where um, you really find the fulfilling life that gives you purpose and meaning. I think a lot of times we don't do that. We end up at 30, 40, 50 crashing and burning. It's like, well, wait a minute. I spent all this time doing all this other stuff and ignoring the truth, you know, what was truly in my heart. And, you know, maybe that's what leads people to midlife crises. And, mm. you know, up at that time is because you didn't stop and just, you know, take the time and enjoy the moment that you were in and see what lesson you could learn from it. Yeah. 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 I love that. You know, one of the things, again, I like about your IG is that you kind of give a brief synopsis of the books you read and and what resonates with you. And then I, you know, would go back and say, man, I missed that. Or yeah, that resonated with me as well. Why is that an important part of your reading strategy? You talked about your log and you talked about going deep versus just trying to get through a lot of books in the year. But why has, you know, really, you know, jotting down the parts of the book that really helped you change and breathe differently and be differently and keep and capturing those self notes. Why is that important as you read? So honestly, I wanted to add a little more value. Like I felt like I wanted to share on Instagram what was important to me and, you know, bring some positivity um, to the world and some good quality stuff. And I just thought, well, why don't I just add kind of what my main takeaways are? Because if I found it helpful, maybe somebody else may find it helpful that has read it, or maybe my key or takeaway that I uh, mentioned will help somebody else pick up the book and maybe it'll have the answer that they're looking for Mm. use for their life. So really it was really just out of wanting to create value and just sitting thinking one day, well, you know, when people give book recommendations, I always wonder why did you recommend that book? What about it was important to you? And so um, that led me to it. And, you know, just, me jotting down those notes as I'm reading really helps for me to actually solidify uh, what I just read at, at the same time. So I just wanted to share that um, with people that came across my page. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's clear. And, and I, I love that you're unpacking the process for us because now I see why it resonated so deeply with me because, you know, I reached out like immediately. I was like, man, like, <laughs> wow. Not only are you definitely an avid reader with some amazing book suggestions and things that you've read, but what you were sharing, I was like, man, that's spot on and and very Mm -hmm. relevant, very actionable. And I think it pulls us into something that resonates with a lot of what you share and what you read is faith and family. And, Mm -hmm. you know, for many, you know, veteran leaders, you transition from the military and, and finding that balance of both faith and family can be something that is always slightly out of reach. And I don't think at times we're talking with people 
who are working that space, you know, you shared that, you know, you, you enjoy, you know, family, you enjoy your faith, you enjoy things that challenging and take you deep. Now, I uh, was introduced to Timothy Keller's work about this time last year. My wife is pursuing her MBA and she's pursuing it at a Christian university. So this was like one of the pivotal books in her ethics class. And when, you know, she read it and my wife doesn't, unlike us, my wife is not a purist when it comes to reading, you know? Mm -hmm. So when she recommends a book, you know, my eyes light up like, what's this? You know, and she's like, like, Bernard, you need to read this book. And I'm like, and I read the title and I read the back and I'm like, no, what? This? Why? why? You know, like, 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 you're the one pursuing your MBA. This doesn't even look like a good book. And she was like, no, Bernard, you need to read this book. And as mm-hmm. I got through it, I mean, I was like, where was this book at my whole life? You know? Right. And, and one of the things he stated, and I'd just like to hear your thoughts on it as well, is that we work to serve others, not ourselves. And I shared with you that this is almost kind of odd because, you know, in the military, we went to work to serve others. But right. at times when we leave the military, we forget to serve others. You know? mm-hmm. Like we just like, oh, I did my part. And it's like now it's like we pursued life in a different way, but from a different level. Any thoughts on the book or any thoughts on that concept of working to serve others, not ourselves? Yes, I would say that one of the reasons I think we don't really think about service in the way that Timothy Keller presents it is that because I don't think we're not taught that a lot of us go to high school, good, good grades, go to college, get good grades. I'll make money. So you can enjoy all the trappings of life. Yeah. I know I heard from certain people in my life. And I think also the cultures and companies aren't necessarily about service. So I think that from, you know, in our families, we're taught to just go get a job so you can make money, so you can enjoy life and enjoy the trappings of life. And I won't say all work environments are like that, but most of them. And then people getting famous quick, and it's all about me, 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 me. What can I do to get me out there? And, you know, they get out there just so they can get the rewards for themselves. And it's not about, well, let's stop a minute and and look at it. We really were created to serve each other because each one of us has something within us that we're good at doing, we're gifted with, that is meant to serve and make the world a better place collectively. So I just think, you know, we're just not taught. You don't hear it talked about. You don't hear it. um, It's not glamorized or anything like that. And when I read this book, it was game changer for me. I was like, wow, this is interesting. Right. Yeah. 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 And I completely agree. And and, and amazing insight because I, I would say, I mean, foundationally rocked how I pictured Everything I was doing. Oh, yeah. I ask uh, two more questions and then I'll let you tell our listeners where to follow you on IG so they can look at your books as well and and learn from your reading list. Any family members or friends or members of your community in the military or our veterans that you've gotten to know or built relationships with and they've affected you in any way? Oh, yeah. My husband, he was in the Navy for four years and then he, on active duty, he did reserves for eight. My father was in the Army Reserves for over 20 years. I have one, two, at least three uncles that were in the Army. I have uncles and cousins that were in the Air Force. So, yeah, my family is all branches of the military except the Marines. 
I got it. Maybe got it. My husband has been my biggest cheerleader since we've been together. So, you know, I will say one thing I appreciate about um, our military community. I'm so grateful for the service um, that you all have provided. And I will say one thing about military people, especially having not been in the military and worked with them, is the level of discipline that in some of my prior lives, my trade is accounting slash financial analyst, and I've worked in manufacturing plants. And from my experience, what I've seen, people that came from the military had were the best supervisors because of the level of discipline and understanding the rules and policies and regulations and just the order of things. For me, it's been a pleasure to deal with those type of people because a lot of people don't feel that way. <laughs> they want to feel <laughs> But it's very refreshing. It's always been refreshing. All right. Thank. Oh, man. Thank you for that. I want to make sure I play this when I get to speak to employers and be like, look, oh, don't God. take my word. Yes, <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> because because being an accountant and having to work with you know supervisors or managers over other areas, you know, and explaining stuff to them and just the quickness and response, and it's like, oh, this is awesome. Thank you so much. Because you don't always get that, especially when you're the number police, so to speak. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're the voice of reason. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Now, are there any specific books that are going to be on your 2018 reading list that we should look forward to your insights on, on your IG? And, and also let us know where, you know, our listeners can go to connect with you, especially if they're, you know, beginning their natural hair journey or they just want to follow your reading list like I am. I'm so glad you asked because I already have all my books that I'm going to read for next year. I had them ordered already. Oh, wow. Um, and they come from the different genres that I like to read from. They'll give you some insight into me. One of them is The Practicing Mind by Thomas M. Sterner. Mm. This helps you. It says developing focus and discipline in your life. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. The next one is called She's Still There. It's written by Crystal Evans Hurst, and it's Rescuing the Girl in You. This is um, definitely geared towards uh, women. Um, and I followed her and her father um, online. So I'm looking forward to that. That'll kind of meet the spiritual need for me. Um, the next one is by Ibram X. Kendi, and it's called Stamped from the Beginning. And this actually pertains to Black history. It's called The Definitive History of Racist Ideas in America. I've kind of been interested in just kind of learning, you know, how things got the way they are um, in our country. And not from a perspective of trying to be combative with it, but just from a perspective of learning and understanding. This book was actually a National Book Award finalist. Oh, wow. Um, so, yeah, um, those are the three that will definitely be on my list this year and that I'll finish. Um, like I said, they touched, you know, all the major areas of life, personal development, spiritual development, and kind of history. Yeah. Um, wow, 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 wow. Now, lastly. Oh, and many more. <laughs> <laughs> now, lastly, where can our listeners follow you on Instagram to just learn more about, you know, your reading list and also just to read up and on what you've shared about your natural hair journey and, and what they can do or what products they can use to start theirs? Um, I would say uh, my Instagram page is the best place. It's Michelle J underscore H. And Michelle is spelled with two L's. I'm currently working on getting a blog set up. Um, but it, it will be coachmichelle.net. Um, I'd say give me a few more months. Um, I started creating content for it. But I want to make sure I have enough to make it uh, worth the reader's while. If you come to Instagram my page and you see something, you can DM me. I normally respond to any DMs I have. 
but I'm more than happy to answer any questions about natural hair. I can talk about it every day, all day. <laughs> love any it. book recommendations. I love it. I can talk about books every day, all day. Michelle J underscore H on Instagram. Well, Michelle, this for me, you know, has been amazing. And I, you know, as I went through your Instagram and I connected with you, I was fingers crossed that you'd say yes. So thank you for uh, saying yes and being on the show and, and truly just, I think sharing a deep dive into the heart of a reader, I think I would say before your page, I got a little worried because it seems like people were just consuming books just to say they read it, mm-hmm. you know, and it wasn't yeah. like you couldn't see the purest look like I read and I enjoy and here's what it changed in me. And when I came across your Instagram, I was like, what? How did I not, you know? find this earlier, but I think it was right on time. And I think as we're, you know, mm-hmm. helping people prepare for the, the new year as well, that they will learn that maybe instead of trying to get through the 50 books, that they need to go deep and truly touch on the varied areas of their personality and the things that really matter to them so that they can mm-hmm. have that foundation of, of faith and family and that they can see their work as service and that they can have journeys that they recognize in themselves that, again, that was cool before it was cool, you know? And I think people who take the time to read and take the time to nurture that curiosity are the ones who typically set the trend. So thank you for sharing your journey with us. Bernard, thank you so much for having me. Um, I actually found you, I'll tell you this real quick. I was on Instagram and um, I get the daily emails from Kendall Ficklin, the Your Daily Grind. Oh yeah. And I think I was on his page and I saw Pasha Cook mm-hmm. on Instagram and I clicked on hers and then I saw something on hers and she mentioned you. I said, oh, let me go see what Bernard's page looks like. And I'm so grateful um, that I did and I appreciate you reaching out to me and giving me this opportunity. I am so happy. I don't have any words to really convey how I feel and I do appreciate you uh, being willing to share your platform with me. Thank you, Michelle. And know that you are welcome back. Readers are my heroes. So, <laughs> so, so I'm kind of geeking out just because of your knowledge, your wisdom, and, and just the practical action steps that you provided. It wasn't like insight a thousand feet over my head. It was, here's that I literally do. And um, I'm pretty sure if you work the plate, you can work it. And I'll let Posh and uh, Coach Kendall know, you know, like, look, guys, you, you make it be a hero. So I appreciate it. So I'll definitely let them know. I'm probably going to leave this in the podcast. Hey, awesome. Thank you. They hear it. So thank you again, Michelle. I, man, like I said, I'm blown away, just blown away by your insight and wisdom. And I knew it would, it would come, but to actually talk to you live, it's like, man, so I'm excited to, you know, continue our relationship, learn from you, see your new posts, and, you know, maybe comment if I have read the book or if I am going to read the book as well. I appreciate that. Well, enjoy the rest of your Saturday and thank you for spending some of your Saturday with me as well. Thank you, Bernard. You have a good day. All right. You too.